Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Spicacelli. Hello, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli, glad to be with you, and I'm so glad we have this opportunity today to hear the vocational story of Father Stephen Smith. Uh, He was uh, one of the hosts for the Seminarian Show here on St. Gabriel Radio, so you may be familiar with him. I wasn't able to get him on this program before he took off for the Portsmouth area for his first priestly assignment, but now that he's a bit closer up here at St. Joan of Arc in Powell, we have the opportunity to hear a story now. So thank you for joining us on Answering the Call, Father Smith. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back on St. Gabriel Radio. Um, I really enjoy the ministry that uh, St. Gabriel uh, does and offers to the people of our diocese. Yeah, see, he's got such a good radio voice. <laughs> um, so, Father, you're from Marion, Ohio, so give us a little background on the family uh, you grew up in. So I grew up in, uh, yes, Marion, Ohio. I was a parishioner of St. Mary's Parish. Um, I grew up with three sisters, two older, one younger, and so I remember... Um, when I was growing up, asking my parents over and over again, can can you have another kid so I can get a brother? I want a brother. <laughs> and, and so it was very interesting when I moved into the seminary. I had about 200 brothers. Uh, yeah. God so and then I was prayer. like, yeah, <laughs> at that point I was like, Lord, you gave me too many brothers. <laughs> but uh, a very good um, welcoming and loving family. Um, my sisters and I uh, grew up uh, with just wonderful parents. Our parents uh, uh, really taught us what it means to be good people and and to, you know, grow up in the faith. So it was, it was just very wonderful in that sense. You went to public school and th- did your PSR classes for your uh, preparation. Um, were you highly involved in your parish or was it uh, more typical of a family to, you know, mass on Sundays or, or whatever? Well, when I was growing up, I wasn't very involved in the parish. My mother was a uh, Baptist at the time, um, but she's the one that really encouraged my dad she said, uh, you know, we promised to raise our kids Catholic, so you got to take them to Mass and <laughs> got to have the PSR. So I did that, um, but it wasn't really until I was around 15 when I got really involved in, in the parish and the happenings there. Yeah, so you're talking now more like confirmation time. So so what was it that, you know, really began to get your attention in a deeper way about the faith at that point? Well, I had a, some good role models in my confirmation course. Um, I really didn't want to go for confirmation. Uh, I wasn't really involved, and I didn't really know the faith at that point. Um, so when I went into the confirmation program, I did so with the objective of causing as much problems and trouble for my <laughs> youth minister at the time. Uh, so I did for a little while, but uh, he, he pulled me aside one day and he goes, you, you, you need to start acting right. Uh, be a good example for the people here, right? Uh, so it was good in that sense, um, but I did have a lot of good role models within the parish community at that point. Um, one of the wonderful things that we did was uh, our confirmation group had small groups, and we had um, um, people that were in charge of kind of mentoring us in those small groups, and the, and the older couple, uh, Jim and Maureen, who mentored me in that small group, were very, very effective in helping me um, really develop my faith in that sense. And, and this was an older couple, like a, like a grandparent kind of right. couple. But how did they do this effectively with this young kid who was a little bit kind of, you know, a little ruckusy causing kid? How did they, you know, get your attention and have such an effect on you? Well, I think at first it was um, really Maureen. Uh, sh- she's from Ireland, so I was captivated with her uh, with her <laughs> accent. So I think that's really got what got me um, originally. But just the beauty of how they live their faith. 
and how they just prayed. And you could really tell that they had a good connection with our Lord. Um, so I was very attracted to that beauty of the faith uh, and how they lived. Maureen was one that really went out and into the community and um, visited people homebound and nursing homes and hospice. And, and Jim was wonderful and just a good example of what it means to be a Catholic man. And it was really attractive to me. Your youth minister at the time, also a good role model? A wonderful role model. Um, Yeah, so Mark uh, is his name, the youth minister, and just a great role model, a family man, uh, had five kids, uh, a wonderful wife, and they invited us over to their home several times uh, as a group, and and, uh, we prayed the rosary together. And I remember one specific day asking Mark, can you teach me what it means to pray? Mm. And he goes, let's go into the church before our Lord. That's the best way to do it. And he really taught me what it means to pray. And wow. I thought that was just absolutely wonderful. Did, did any of these role models ever ask you specifically uh, about the priesthood, if you ever considered the priesthood? They did. Um, a little further on, after I kind of got my bearings of what it meant to be Catholic, um, and I had been praying about it um, myself. But yes, uh, they d- really did and supported me in my decision when I um, finally decided to tell people that I was thinking about the priesthood. And, you know, and so here you're pretty young still. Like, was this interest in church and religion, uh, was it a little threatening to your family? Like, did they, like, what is this about? You know? Well, um, in some ways, yes. My sisters were like, uh, well, he's getting into that and all that stuff. And he's he's changing. You can tell that and, and kind of concerned about what was going on. My mom was like, thank God someone got to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> thank God. So she was really supportive. My dad, of course, was uh, supportive in that sense as well. So encouraged me to continue going to church, going to mass. And um, I really, uh, through that, I called a reversion, but it was kind of a conversion, if you will, into the faith. Um, it really brought along my parents as well. My mom became Catholic and they go to Mass every Sunday, and oh, my yeah. sister, um, sh- she's really involved in the church now as well, and um, I'm still working on my other two sisters, but God willing, we'll get there. Yeah, I know, and we hear that from our guests. A lot of times their journey will then affect the other people in their family. So maybe way, way back in the mind, there's this openness to priesthood, but you know, what about girls and the thought of marriage? Well, you know, I was discerning marriage at the time. Um, I was dated, I dated a, a gal for three years uh, who I thought I really loved, um, so it was kind of one of those struggles, internal struggles between, um, you know, getting married, having a family and the priesthood. Um, so it was something I struggled even through seminary. A lot of times I struggled with that notion of. So in your high school, then your four years of high school, somehow, you know, this thought of priesthood moved from this well, way back thought in your mind to maybe a little more prominent, especially towards the end of high school. So what was the transition you know, in those four years, what happened? Well, the transition was really de- the development of my prayer life. Again, I was talking to my, my youth minister and my family. My pastor was very helpful in that sense as well. Just developing my prayer life. We'd do an adoration hour on Fridays between uh, Friday night and Saturday morning from 3 to 4 in the morning. Um, one time in particular, I remember uh, staying there until about 7 when the next person finally showed up. But it gave me a lot of opportunity <laughs> to pray. And I was like, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do. Um, I want to be happy. I want to serve you. Uh, if it's to be married, I'll, I'll do that. If it's to be a priest, I'll do that. And that was a terrifying notion for me just to finally give myself over to our Lord in that sense. 
but you were actually getting to that point, which is huge, um, especially by junior year and then into senior year. Right. Yeah. We're, we're talking to uh, one of our newer priests. He was ordained in 2016. He's Father Stephen Smith from St. Joan of Arc in Powell, and he's sharing his uh, journey to priesthood here on Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM 820, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. So what, um, you know, at this point, somewhere along the line, it, it goes from a real openness and surrender to a decision that after high school, I'm going to pursue seminary. Right. Well, the idea with entering seminary was knowing that um, I wasn't signing on the dotted line, mm-hmm. if you will, yet. Um, and the, the church gives us the seminary as an opportunity to really discern what it means to be a priest. So you can't fully discern the priesthood outside of the seminary. That's right. And so I entered seminary with the notion of discerning whether or not that was my call. I thought it was. Um, I was pretty sure it was. Um, it is, of course, since I'm a priest. <laughs> but I, those nine years I spent in seminary were very instrumental in really getting me to that point of, yeah. yes, this is what I'm called to do. And before we actually talk about your seminary years, what, what steps did you take to um, you know get into the seminary? Who did you talk to? What were the steps you took? So the first person I talked to was my youth minister, Mark, and he encouraged me to talk to my pastor, Father Mike Nimix, at the time. And Father Nimix, I met with him and I asked him what I should do and what he thought and got a little spiritual direction. He was a very good pastoral father uh, to me in that sense as well. And he encouraged me to contact the diocese, to contact uh, Father Jeff Conning, who was the vocations director. And Father Jeff actually came to my house uh, one night and sat around my kitchen table with my parents and was like, this is what it's all about. This is how you do it. This is how you get in. Um, these are the papers that you sign. And I'm like, I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet, but, but, uh, he really helped me as well. Help, help your parents buy in too, which he is did, huge because yeah. you know, you're young and it doesn't sound like any of these people you spoke to were saying, Oh, hold off, Steven, you're too, you know, too young. You need to go out and get some experience. They all were seeing something in you enough to say, yeah, I'll go ahead and continue discernment in the seminary. Environment. Right. My family and, um, the, the diocese was really encouraging my friends on the other hand not so much i I dealt a lot with uh, that struggle of uh you know the 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 normal things you can't get married you don't like public speaking um (laughs) i know you well enough to know that (laughs) this is not going to work or or that kind of thing and um so i was struggled with that um with my uh, my friends mostly um, then it sounds like then your family so um, despite their, uh, maybe their reluctance, you went ahead, you applied, you were accepted to the Josephinium, uh, Josephinium, and as you just mentioned, you were there for both college and your graduate studies. So let's look at the first four years of college, the philosophy portion. Uh, what kind of challenges did you face there personally? I think mostly was uh, academic at that point, um, kind of getting used to my uh, being in the seminary, being a seminarian, what it meant to be a seminarian. I remember there was a priest that told us, on our first vacation away from the seminary, never take a vacation from your vocation. Mm -hmm. And then he said, your vocation at this point is to be a seminarian. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, well, I took a vacation from my vocation because I stopped praying. And (laughs) and then I got back in the seminary. It was a little bit harder (laughs) at that point. Um, But it was, it was mostly academic at that point. Yeah. And you particularly had a, a struggle with your academics, but there was a reason that they would finally figure out. But tell us that story. Right. So when I entered seminary, um, I knew that my academics were going to be a struggle because they were in high school. Um, and I was really worried about that. And I actually considered leaving seminary my second year 
because of my academics. I wasn't failing out, but I didn't want to fail out mm-hmm. in the future, and I was afraid that I would. Um, so when I talked to Father Conning about uh, leaving, um, about my academics, about my struggle there, he encouraged me to get tested for a learning disability. And after a lot of testing, uh, they were able to determine that I have dyslexia. So that was one of the struggles. And uh, when I when it was given a name, and I was giving a, given accommodations for that. Yep. Um, and my grade point average went way up. It yeah. was awesome. And, and then my, my struggle with academics really stopped. Yeah. It's crazy that you got that far in your schooling, in your life, before someone said, wait a minute, this kid's got you know a challenge here. He's reversing letters. And, right. You know, but That's I guess public you school figured for out you. How, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God, really, literally, that you found that out. And, and like you said, then your fourth year, much easier. Much, much easier. I was very happy and just really able to kind of work on my prayer life at that point. Wonderful. So the structure was okay. I mean, structure you were pretty was great. much still a kid coming out of your home and then going to your first environment. So, right. um, okay. So that was pretty good. Okay. Now about the next four years, theology, uh, what happened then? So theology, I had the other struggle, which was the spiritual struggle, um, and really praying as a priest prays. And, um, at first really, it, it really worked out really well. Um, but it was my second year again uh, in theology that I started struggling a lot more with prayer. Um, I st- started struggling a lot more personal issues and whatnot. And so I did take a leave of absence from the seminary for about seven months, which was fantastic because I actually got to spend time with the people of God. And I think at that point I had forgotten what it really meant to be with the people of God and to be what a priest is. And so it was wonderful to be able to be with the people of God in the parish and realize, hey, this is actually what you're called to do, not just be in the seminary. Thank God. Yeah. do you, and, and it's so important. I remember we had a guest on the show who had a picture of his parish taped to the wall, you know, of his dorm room at the Josephine. And so we would always remember every day, this is, you know, that's why I'm here, because you can lose sight in it and all the academics and all the, the, the spiritual development that you're going through and um, do you want to go into a few more details about that that leave of absence? You know what brought you to that point, and how God came, you know, was there through other people to bring you back? Yeah, I, I like to tell people I left the seminary the wrong way because I didn't really tell anyone I was leaving. I just packed my stuff up and left. And then I called the seminary and said, "Hey, oh, by the way, I left today." <laughs> and so they called the diocese and let the diocese know. And um, I went home to my parents. They had moved from Marion to Dublin at that point. And so I went home to my parents in Dublin. And I was really struggling again with my faith. That's why I left. And I was afraid that I would lose my faith if I didn't leave. Um, So that's why ultimately I left. But one of the things that I was certain of was that I was not going to allow this experience to let me lose my faith. Mm -hmm. So it was a Saturday that I left. I was determined I was going to get up and go to Mass in the morning at St. Brendan's, which was my parish at the time. And so I did, and my pastor, Father Bob Penhalric, uh saw me sitting in the pews with my parents and stopped me after Mass, and he said, go to my office right now. You and I are going to have a talk. <laughs> so I did. I waited for a bit, and we, I went, he went over, and he came over, and we talked for a good long while, and he really encouraged me. He said, you need to go talk to the bishop, and I wasn't going to do that. But I did. I called the bishop on Monday, and I said, I really need to come in and see you. Can I see you today? I went in, met with them, had a wonderful meeting. The bishop was very fatherly, mm-hmm. really fatherly to me, um, and really encouraged me, allowed me to take that time off, 
to not just leave seminary, but be assigned to a parish, yes. which was St. Brendan's. Brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And the bishop kept in contact with me, uh, called me several times. I met with him several times. So it was just wonderful to me in that during that time. You know, I think that that's really a, a, an important thing. And, and I know you guys in your seminary process do have, you know, pastoral internships and that kind of thing. Um, but as an aside, I, I will be in, interviewing a Paulist father who actually through the years have uh, figured out in their formation process, they need they put that pastoral year in maybe in like their third year of formation, because I think it's the same thing. They need to show these men, this is what you're going to be doing, the right. practical application of what you're going to be doing, so you don't get lost in the academia. Right. That's one of the things that a lot of dioceses do. Um, ours does not. Um, but again, it's not for everyone, but it certainly was for me. Yeah. And it's important, too, to remember that these struggles, and we've heard them so many times from our guests, are real, real common in the process. You know, you're going through a formation to commit to, much like marriage, something that you really have no idea what it means for the rest of your life right, or ever yeah. and ever. You know, none of us do. Um, and so these questions, and, and I love how you said you, you were afraid to, you know, of losing your faith. That's why you stepped back. Your faith was obviously that important to you. Yes, and, and obviously still is. Um, and I was young. I mean, I was ordained a priest at 27 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm 29 now, yeah. so... I'm still young, and I'm, but I finally am getting to that point after two years of priesthood to be comfortable in my skin as a priest. I noticed that when I moved to St. Joan of Arc and just the interaction with Father Black, my new pastor, and uh, some of the guys that were helping me move in. I looked at Father Black and I said, I finally have become comfortable in my own skin as a priest, that's and it's wonderful. That's, that's really important. Let's uh, just finish your seminary story because you would return to the Josephinum, as you shared, uh, renewed um, after that pastoral year, and you finished your theology degree over the next three years, which you refer to as the best years of the your The best seminary. years of my seminary career, yes. It's because I had finally decided at that point uh, that, yes, I am called to be a priest, and now I have something to look forward to. Because up until that point, I was st- still really in the discernment. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a rector at the time, uh, Father Weiner, who told us that after your second year of theology, you really should be done with the discernment phase of your of your seminary and really be focusing on what it means to be a priest. Right. And the classes were more uh, practical, and um, I could really work with them and pray with them even. Um, we we learned how to hear confessions, how to say Mass, you know, the Missal. Yeah, the things, things you'll be like, doing day exactly. in and day out, absolutely. Um, and then in 2016, you were ordained a priest of the Diocese of Columbus. What do you remember most about your ordination day? It was kind of a whirlwind. I remember waking up in the morning thinking, oh my, it's finally happening. After all these years, it's finally happening. And getting to the cathedral early, because we had to do a walkthroughs and everything, and the ordination was at, I believe, 1030, if memory serves, and uh, just kind of in a in a haze. You know, people coming up to me, oh, congratulations. I'm like, I haven't done anything yet. <laughs> But, uh, you know, thank you. And pray for me. Please pray for me as I go through this. Cause, and I remember my, my family calling me, oh, we're stuck in traffic. We're not sure if we're going to get there on time. But praise God they did. Um, and just a lot, of, a lot of just things going through my mind. Like, Lord, this is, this is a true gift. You know, and I, uh, fear. There was a lot of fear. What if I mess up? What if, you know, the what ifs? What if I do this or do that or don't do this or don't do that? Or what if I fail? As a priest, that was the ultimate concern. So it was a lot of 
I wasn't getting cold feet, but it's like people going into marriage. You know, yes. the, the day of your marriage, yep. all this stuff starts flooding through your mind. Mm-hmm. And then I remember as I was called up and laid down prostrate in front of the altar, this overwhelming sense of calm mm. and peace. And it was just beautiful. Mm. So at that point, I was like, yes, yes, Lord, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. And they're so incredible to attend ordinations. It really is like witnessing heaven, you know, with the music and all that. And you were ordained with a few other classmates. Yes, uh, Father Tim Lynch and Father Dan Schwartz. Mm -hmm. Both of we've heard their stories on this show as well. So what a a wonderful uh, way to begin your priesthood. And then your first assignment was uh, down as a a parochial vicar and an administrator down in Portsmouth. Five rural parishes, a lot of travel. A lot of travel. Talk a little bit about that experience. Well, I had had the opportunity as a seminarian to be down there for a summer. In, uh, in Wheelersburg and New Boston. Um, so I knew some of the people, and that was something that was very helpful for me. When I found out that's where I was going, I was like, well, I've been down there. I know the people. I know the culture. I know the community. And I know the pastor. Mm-hmm. And the pastor and I get along really, really well. Father Joe Good. Yoakum, he's one of my best friends at uh, even now, um, now that he served with me for two years. Poor guy. <laughs> but... Uh, but it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Lovely people, very faithful. But it's a different culture. It's it's rural. It's a lot of poverty, um, simpler life. Um, but there is a lot of distance between the parishes. So a lot of my time is spent on the road. Yeah. Um, and they're smaller parishes, so there's not a whole lot going on throughout the week or even throughout the year. Mm-hmm. But there is enough, and the the faith is beautiful. Yeah. There. You uh, said earlier that you're, um, you're, uh, it, it kind of took you maybe the first two years to kind of really feel comfortable in your skin as a priest. What were some of the challenges of those first two years? I mean, did, was it easy to get used to even the name Father? And you'd like have to turn around like, oh, oh yeah, me. That's right. I'm Father. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that is one of the things that I really had to get used to. Because even as a deacon, people called me deacon. It was like I was getting used to that. And then next thing <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a priest, so Father. Um, so that I was getting used to, but a lot of the practicalities of what it meant to be a priest, like hearing confessions for the first time or saying mass for the first time or the liturgical calendar. How does, mm-hmm. you know, wh- what do you do for a funeral? I had my first funeral like two weeks after I moved down there and wow. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. But thank God that the, the church gives us the liturgical books where I can actually look through. But it was a, a lot of time spending calling priests, friends of mine. Um, even seminary professors, like, what do I do in this situation? I have no clue. And I told one of my parishioners down there, I remember telling them, uh, they were like, oh, Father, you, you always seem like you have everything covered. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just figuring <laughs> out as I go, but I'm glad that it's calm at least. You yeah. Know? And and now you're at uh, St. Joan of Arc, big suburban, sprawling parish, quite different. It is quite different, but it's I love it. I'm very happy at St. Joan of Arc. I think they're probably going to keep you busy because I think there's a lot of things going on at that parish. There is uh, 65 ministries, oh uh, my God. almost 4,000 families wow. and growing. Wow. Um, so there is a lot going on. Father Black and I are very busy. But again, uh, one of the things that I love about Father Black is the way in which he ministers to the people. He's a, just a wonderful example, again, of what it means to be a priest. So I've been very blessed with my first two pastors of just – showing me the example of what it means to really be a priest for the people of God. What do you look forward to most at your assignment now at St. Joan of Arc? I look forward to getting to know a lot of 
the people, of course, but a lot of the administrative aspects. Because although I did a lot of that down in uh, Wheelersburg in New Boston, uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Now, Father Black is going to really teach me, you know, how to do a budget, what to do in this situation, and like annulment processes. I did, I did my first annulment my second year of priesthood, so I haven't done a lot of them. Right. I, actually, so far, I've only had one that's been completed. So doing annulments and working with uh, those situations like that and that you'd find in a big parish, right. being able to learn that. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. So many things that we kind of forget about. You know, we think, well, Father says Mass, and then he goes back to the rectory, day over, right? You know, not quite. (laughs) Man, wouldn't that be the life? (laughs) You know, Father, um, in this big parish that you're at now, or, you know, what advice would you have for maybe a young man approaches you and says, yeah, Father, I'm thinking about it, but could it really be me that God could be calling to the priesthood? What advice would you give that young person? I would first tell them that, yes, it could be you. That God calls young men to the priesthood. But the problem that we have in our culture today is that a lot of young men simply don't listen to God. So some of the ways in which God can call someone is through other people. Like the first experience that I had of the priesthood, or even the notion of thinking about the priesthood, was in the sacrament of confession. I was going to confession to a priest and confessing my sins, and then he looks at me and says, can I ask you a question? I said, well, sure, I guess. And he said, have you ever considered being a priest? Sins and all. Sins and all. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I started praying about it at that time. So it really takes, and I, I would also recommend for the other lay faithful, if there is someone that you think could be a priest, has that, that vocation, tell them, encourage them, pray for them, because it's important. Absolutely. We need priests. We absolutely do. We need priests like you, Father Stephen Smith. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, what a joy it's been to hear your story. Can you leave us with your blessing, please? Of course. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify your holy name. We ask you, Lord, to pray for us through the saints, Lord Jesus, to hear our prayers. And we ask your blessing down upon us and those of your faithful children. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Stephen Smith. Tune in on uh, Tuesdays and Sundays at 1230 for another edition of Answering the Call. Have a wonderful week. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com.